Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is Strictly Confidential. Do, you want, do we want to take it from the top? Yeah, we can do it. Sure thing. But you, but you, want, you can start it off, though, man. Yeah. Hey, Asher, how's your week been? My week's been good. How about you? Pretty good. So uh, this episode's going to come out a little bit after this happened, but today we got the announcement for the new Super Smash Bros. Uh, were there? Oh man! Were there any characters you were a little disappointed didn't make it into the new game? <laughs> um, no. I all the boys. All the boys. We got all the boys. I was kind of hoping that the uh, the Black Pearl, the ship from Pirates of the Caribbean, would be a playable character. <laughs> I was stoked that they brought Johnny Depp back in, though. That was nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm iffy about that because it's, he's got a very problematic character outside of the game, and I typically don't try and judge people. I know that Zelda has a scandalous past, but I don't know. Are there any other characters that you were really hoping would make it but didn't get the cut this time? Let me think. <laughs> That's such a good prompt. One second. I was really hoping that the arms from Arms, the titular character, would make it in. They didn't bring in John Arms. No, they didn't bring in John C. Arms, the main character of the Arms franchise. <laughs> Which is crazy because Arms is entirely a Nintendo entity. Yeah. They could have just done it. Wouldn't have even been a problem. Yeah. I also am upset they didn't bring in the standard cart from Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's way more classic than Jigglypuff. Like, come on. Come on. We. I mean, they... they, they, they they weren't able to get that Sora get. Bringing in Mickey Mouse was cool. Bring in the big man, you know? Bring in the big M. Yeah, well, ever since Nintendo brought, bought Disney, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was wild, though, that Mickey didn't use his Keyblade. He just straight up used his fists. The gloves came off literally, and they get those freaky black mitts. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he wears, like, mitts under his mitts. Yeah, and he has four normal human fingers. Oh, did I didn't watch all the way through the trailer. Was there a point when he took the mitts off underneath those? No, I mean, you. well, you definitely missed his final smash where he gives you a copyright strike and it just shuts the whole game down. Yeah, I'm glad we're doing a podcast and don't have to worry at all about copyright strikes. <laughs> I'm glad we literally can't do anything illegal on this podcast. Yeah, nothing at all. Anyway, here's how happy birthday goes. <gasps> yeah, it's very good because we're going to murder some jokes today. <laughs> So, uh, why don't we just dive right in? I'm excited to explain some of this to you. Yes, I don't, I don't have a snappy Asher-style transition. That's all right. But I did want to point out how... So, we've done a lot of pretty intense conspiracy theories so far. We've dabbled in the Walt Disney. We've dabbled in the... Um, what else have we done? We talked about Barack Obama being an X-Man, stuff like that. I think this one's a little bit more highbrow. Today's conspiracy theory is that the Freemasons stopped the aliens from invading the 2012 Olympics. <laughs> Finally, something worth digging into. Now, I want to immediately start this off by saying that's not even really the theory we're going to cover today. Oh, okay. Well, this is just false advertisement. Yeah, I mean, we're still going to title it all of that and go on through all of that, but it's not exactly the theory we're covering today. It's been five minutes and we've already done an actual crime. Yeah, we've already done an actual crime that we could be arrested for if people listen to this show. Um, okay, so first I want to start off by saying that the first source I bring to us is one of the really, really 
really, really serious sources that we know is serious because it's unbelievably poorly designed. And I think right. I think we need to come up with a shorthand for that at some point. I'm not saying we do it now, but this guy's website is so bad. Okay? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to paint a little bit of a narrative for you. So this guy, uh, his name is Rick Clay, spelled R-I-K space C-L-Y or C-L-A-Y. And he uh, dives really deep into the 2012 Olympics from the very beginning. So he starts off by saying that uh, he, in 2004, which is three years before London won the bid for the 2012 Olympics, he has a coin that was from 2004 that has a clock on it with an hour hand on the 12 and the second hand on the 20, meaning that London was going to get the Olympics in 2012. (laughs) Okay. Obviously, right? Yes. Okay. The next thing is a little bit more believable but he says that the logo was published in 2007, and he, that's kind of when he started writing about it. He found the coin in 2007. All of his data comes from 2007. The logo looks like it should spell out 2012, and it does kind of. It's kind of a two-by-two two grid, and it has two zero on the top two and one two on the bottom two. But if you, Yeah, sort of. It really is a Flintstones nightmare, though. That's one of the worst Olympics logos we've ever had. But if you look in detail at the logo and lay it out flat, and put that weird dot on top of the one, it spells out Zion, which is the new Jerusalem. It kind of does. I mean, it kind of does, but so does any time you spell out 2012. Yeah, but, right, if you can... (laughs) You can just move those pieces around. Yeah, I mean, so um, right after that in his blog post, he correlates it with uh, William Blake's poem, Jerusalem, which is only important because this is the first connection to Freemasonry because Blake, William Blake is stated to have connections with the Freemasons organization. Okay. And that's how the Freemason part of this whole situation goes down. Uh, that seems like a flimsy way to jump to the Freemason side of things, but uh, let's go. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's the first connection. And it's only really the first connection because all of this stuff happened in 2007 when the Olympics weren't happening until 2012. Okay. Um, the crazy thing is that right after this stint of multiple blog posts about the wackiness of this Olympics is that Rick Clay died and nobody knows how he died. So Rick Clay was a real person. Hypothetically, Rick Clay was a real person. Okay, not just a screen name. Not just a screen name. Um, but he stopped posting and was nowhere where to be found after this. So next, I thought it would be important if we... Uh, we can come back to that later. But next, I thought it would be important if we dove into a little bit of f- the Freemasonry like backstory from Wikipedia. Okay. Um, so they are an organization focused on brotherhood, and they have a strong focus specifically on allegories and symbols. Most of their symbols come from the manual tools of stonemasons like compasses and plumb rules. But their focus on supporting each other and entering the brotherhood it makes entering the Brotherhood kind of like an initiation college-style <clears throat> hazing process. You can earn any of the 33 degrees that they offer in between, or like between being not a brother and the highest order is the Knights Templar, which is what everybody knows. So from there, uh, the next part of this comes from an, another kind of garbage source titled... But his name is his name is Christopher Everard or Everard, I don't know. But the whole name of the blog is 
Truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Welcome to the blog of British film director and author Chris Everett. Hell yeah. Let's go. It's a mouthful. So I'm pumped up. So he talks about in this article, which is titled Occult Symbols and Demons at the London Olympics. Okay. He talks about how the Freemasons' most commonly studied text is the Goetia, which is also known as the Book of Shadows. The book is essentially Really? Yeah. The book is essentially a, Is that real or is that part of the is that part of the lore or is that real? It's real. That's crazy. Can we Oh boy, I'm going to sidetrack and derail you really quick. For Freemasons and their the New Order and the Illuminati and I'm saying all this definitely operating under the assumption that the listener already knows what these are because they're so prominent in pop culture. But have you ever wondered, like I have, why specifically stoneworking led to all this, I don't know, devil worship, this occult, this secret society? Like, why not just the secret society of plumbers who are organized and ruling the government in the shadows? I think it's because of contents. So I think it's like... If I am hiding, like to go back to the dinosaurs from a couple weeks ago, if I am hiding bodies underground, I'm going to hide them under stones. <laughs> if I'm hiding secrets... You can fit a lot of secrets under a rock. If I'm hiding secrets, I'm going to hide them in in walls or in stone things, right? I mean, like yeah. if you go further back, like right now I could hide a secret in a, like a bucket of jello or something, I guess. Sure. But I mean, I've flushed a few secrets. I, the, those plumbers are the ones who are really behind it all. They're really pulling the strings. But I think what's different between uh, like stonemasons and plumbers is what's hiding behind stones can be anything. It could be money. It could be secrets. It could be mummies. It could be anything. What's hiding behind pipes is mostly just shit. <laughs> That's fair. Right. And so I don't I don't know if there's a huge reason specifically for stonemasons. I just know that there's a huge reason specifically not for plumbers. <laughs> okay, well, and that's the best example I can possibly think of. So continue. Those are the only two professions. Um, so yeah, back to the Goetia, uh, which I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, and I don't care. But uh, it's essentially a book. It's essentially a demon summoning textbook talking about the demons that were summoned by the biblical character Solomon. Um, and depictions of these demons referenced in the text have been displayed at several different ceremonies, uh, like public ceremonies, not just Freemason ones. And this scholar, Christopher Everard, believes they were present at the 2012 Olympic Games. This is a direct quote from him. He says, Demons described in the Goetia are usually composite creatures having the faces of humans, but then bodily attributes of lions, cats, frogs, and other animals. And in the opening ceremony, some of the dancers were dressed similarly to this. Um, and, I mean, some of the dancers were dressed closely to this, uh, but the Olympic opening games, or the opening ceremonies of the Olympic games always have a lot of historical scenes from that area. And so it makes sense if they have some mythical creatures in the London one. Wait, these are people dressed up or these are sculptures or... Yeah, people dressed up. I think this old, old man just saw his first furry and he was just like, demons! <laughs> okay, that... He just couldn't even cope with it. That's great because the last thing that he talks about is that there was an 80... Well, there are 
probably 40 things he talks about. But the last big thing he talks about was there's an 80-foot-high statue of the Grim Reaper at the opening ceremony, which is hilarious for a lot of reasons. But the best reason is that I Googled it, and it's actually an 80-foot-high statue of Voldemort. (laughs) What? Even that's kind of unbelievable. But it's because the Harry Potter series... All takes place in the like in Great Britain and in the surrounding areas of London, so it makes sense. But it's so funny to me that this guy was like, "That's got to be the Grim Reaper," and it was really just like Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> he sees a guy dressed up as Darth Vader, and he's like, "The the leader of the damned." <laughs> uh, basically, all I'm saying about the opening ceremony is that I definitely wish I had been there. Oh yeah, it sounds awesome. But he but he sees these demons and he sees the Grim Reaper. But is he seeing these like arcane pentagrams and other symbology around? Or so I don't know. Uh, so well, yes. So he is seeing the symbolism that is referenced in the Goetia, and he is making connections to like actual text from that book. But remember, he's imagining that. That the Grim Reaper is there when it's really Voldemort. Right. And he's imagining the demons that were described as having like faces of humans, but bodies of lions, cats, and other animals. Right? So right. Um, the element that there is like actual Freemason stuff makes sense. The fact that it like is like the whole Olympic ceremony has to do with the Freemasons is the stretch. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the last two sources I have are a little bit more serious, or a lot more serious. I want to make sure to clarify that. One of them is from The Guardian, uh, and it is titled, Are the 2012 Olympic Games part of a plot to take over the world? And as much as it may sound crazy, this is where it gets really wacky. Okay. So uh, one of the first quotes is, When Windlock and Mandeville... The official mascots of the Olympic Games were unveiled to the world in May. The general reaction was one of amusement. And I'm going to, we'll post this on the Instagram so you can see it. But I'm going to share this with you now because they are crazy. (laughs) What are these? The 2012 mascots, Winlock and Mondeville on the completed Olympic Uh. track. They're kind of terrifying. These are like really bad bowling alley mascots. Like the animations when you make a, a spare, these guys pop up and mock you. Do you know what they make me or think that, of? No, yeah, when you make a gutter ball. I guess a spare is a good thing. Do you know what they make me think of? A mixture what? of minions and then... Already a bad start. And then the old show 321 Penguins. <laughs> Deep cut, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. To me, they look exactly like the big boys from 321 Penguins. But I don't know, Jackson. What we're seeing in the background of this exact same image is some triangles. Yeah, so... And that's the evil shape. It is the evil shape. Uh, you should... <laughs> at some point, not right now, but you should look at photos of the London Olympic Games, like of the opening ceremony, because it is pretty crazy how much weird history has happened in great britain because it just looked kind of terrifying but the best quote i'm going to share with you today comes from this guardian article okay uh it's a long one so bear with me but it is well 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 worth the time it's gonna take all right two earbuds in for this one uh here we go 
The basic scenario goes something like this. While the world's eyes are on London in 2012, a spectacular alien invasion will take place at the Olympic Stadium. Or so the public will think. It will actually be a hoax invasion orchestrated by the New World Order as an excuse to stage a global coup d'etat. Terrified by the appearance of aliens, the world's populace will surrender their civil liberties and they, a vague array of elite cliques such as the Blinderberg Group, the Freemasons, the Illuminatis, and dynasties such as the English royal family, the Rockefellers, and the Rothschilds, will have smoothly achieved their goal of a single world government, economy, and religion. Whew! I mean, none of that panned out, but how crazy would that make? That's a great story. Imagine, imagine truly believing that this was going to happen. Like, the World Cup starts, uh, I guess some of it starts this week. Like, imagine saying that, like, this week at the World Cup, the biggest, the highest organizations of the world are going to fake an alien invasion. That is... So wait, why are we saying that the Freemasons stopped an alien invasion? Are we saying that that was the plan, but then the Freemasons were like, no, 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 let's not do this. So... So... Are they the ones who who uh, who prevented this scheme from occurring? So I found this theory back before we even started this show. Um, I to this last week when I was doing research on this, can't find anything about the Freemasons stopping it beyond just a couple places where you see lists of famous conspiracy theories, and the Freemasons supposedly stopped the alien attack. So what I'm what I've kind of put together in my head is that this was what people believed was supposed to happen. And of course it was nonsense, maybe. But what the Freemasons have done is framed it to where people think that it really was going to happen, but they stopped it somehow. Oh. Does that make sense? So these folks over here who have been doing their darndest to summon a demon for the past few hundred years are like, no, 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 this is crazy. No, what I think... What I think happened is I think that all of these groups, the the Freemasons, the Illuminatis, <clears throat> the English royal family, were trying to get this nonsense to happen. Right. And somebody or something stopped the fake alien invasion. And in the aftermath, the Freemasons took the logical next step and said, none of these people will admit to the alien invasion that they were going to fake. So why don't we admit to stopping it to get a little bit better of credibility? Oh, they're the narc. Right. Oh, they're, this, is the, this is the deal that they make in the cop show. Yeah. I was trying to think of another analogy, but that's a much better analogy. He sells out his boys so he gets a lesser sentence. Well, it's not even selling them out. Um, it's less... Sure would love some details on what they were planning to do to convince everyone. Yeah, I... I couldn't find any details, which is the most upsetting part. Isn't that just like a bonkers plan? <laughs> well, it it's, it definitely fits in the narrative that I have in my mind for what these organizations are. Like it just se- like it seems like something that they would attempt. It seems kind of like if you're like when I picture, I actually really like the idea of conquering the world through nonviolent means. 
just playing these mind games. Yeah. That's kind of fascinating, actually. Like, kind of, kind of getting the whole nation or the whole like mass of the world to be afraid of something in common. Yeah. And then having that something in common be like, actually, it was us. I, I Every time I imagine these groups meeting together, I think of the scene in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where all the pirates are meeting and figuring out what to do. Yeah. And they're all like, they all have like weirdly different quirks for being parts of different pirate crews. And that's what I imagine like the Freemasons have like their compasses and stuff. The English royal family has just like a bunch of babies and stuff. And it's just like, like a weird conglomerate of people who are all together brought in a room by one guy who's like, okay, hear me out. What if we fake an alien invasion? (laughs) And so on that point real fast, uh, the last source I have is the LA Times talking about the 1984 Olympic Games, uh, which actually happened in LA. So the 2012 Olympic Games is not the first time that that we supposedly have thoughts of aliens or otherworldly beings at all dealing with the Olympics. Uh, Let me read this quote. A roar sweeps across the Los Angeles Coliseum. It is the closing ceremony of the 1984 Olympics. The rousing cheer intensifies when, from the eastern sky, with a full moon as a backdrop, a strange object appears. With flashing lights and a roving spotlight, an alien spaceship approaches the Coliseum. The Earth signals the spaceship with the Olympic fanfare, and the spaceship responds with a dazzling display of lights and sounds. It then lands behind the Coliseum in a fury of smoke, light, and fire. That happened at the 1984 Games. That was very poetic, but it sounds like they don't know what a helicopter is. I don't know. What, what do you mean that they, it responded to the Olympic music? Uh, so it, do you want to know the logistics of how they did it? Yeah. So they have this big sculpture thing that has lights and stuff on it that will reply to it similar to like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. Um, And that is hung from a helicopter with no lights 100 feet above it. I was right about the helicopter. You were 100% right about the helicopter. But imagine being there and seeing this and... So this was actually part of the show? Yeah, this was actually part of the closing ceremony. Well, that was the time to do it. They already had everybody convinced. That's that's it. That's the nail in the coffin in this theory. They already had the chance to be like, yep, that was real. Anyway, we're in power now. See, I think that they might have tried it in 1984. Oh, that's what you're saying. So I'm saying that I think that like the theory might be that they just like tried it in 1984 and like something went wrong and they couldn't get it all together and it like didn't give the right reaction. And so they came back and were like, okay, let's try again, but let's take some time and get it figured out. Uh, Because this was 28 years later that they tried it again. And that supposedly the Freemasons stopped it. But uh, what I really think happened- This time, two helicopters. (laughs) Yeah, the problem- and honestly, all people's problems, I think, is that you have one fewer uh, helicopter than you really need. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, yeah, there's a lot here. And I think it's important that we go ahead and note that like the whole theory isn't that the Freemasons actually stopped the aliens from invading the 2012 Olympics. 
but it's no less interesting than that. No, definitely not. In fact, I think it's more interesting than that. But like, well, the fact that there's a precedent at all, like there really was a UFO situation. Now, as now, I understand why people are looking for it, right? Right. And apparently, that kind of like, like, hey, we've got demons and a giant Voldemort thing appearing at the opening ceremonies is a kind of showmanship that happens at the opening ceremonies every time. Yeah. And I had no idea any of that until doing any of this research. Uh, alternative theory, that's just art. Right, right. Like you see, well, you, the, the Chinese uh, in China with the opening, well, the Beijing opening ceremony. I could see how if I didn't know what was going on, I'd assume that there was foul play. So how many years do we have left until the next Summer Olympics? Uh, three. Or uh, two. Yeah, three years? Two, actually. Two years. Right? That's plenty of time to cook up another invasion. I'm really excited to see what they what they uh, make for us, man. Yeah, one of the things this show is getting me to really love doing is pay attention to specific tiny things around me. Like now, uh, what did we talk about last week? Like Walt Disney? Like Yeah. Like every time I'm on the Pirates of the Caribbean right now, I'm going to think, you know, I bet he's under there. <laughs> I just like... I love that aspect of the show and that aspect of like what we get to do with our research is trying to like find what is really going on with all of these places. Yeah. Even when it ends up being just like a total bust, it still sticks with you. See, what's nice about this though, is I don't think it's a total bust. I think there is something fishy going on with the Freemasons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole nother episode that is very much a whole nother episode what's up with those kooky characters those freemasons but the other thing i've been listening to non-stop is my favorite artist glenn merle he did our theme song it's called threadbare it's on the album burden of proof which you can find you can check that out go to his website glenmerlemusic.com check him on spotify itunes all those kind of services yeah really wherever you get your podcast uh yeah If you uh, like what you've heard, go ahead and tell your best friend to listen because we know they'll like it too. Um, Yeah. If you want to follow us, we're doing a lot of stuff on our Instagram and our Twitter. Our Instagram is Strictly Confidential Show. And tell us our Twitter, Asher. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at S Confident Show. I think that's right. We forget it every single week. That's right. And if you want us to talk about a specific theory, send us an email at strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com and we'd love to talk about it. Yeah, and it won't be anonymous. We'll give you a shout out. Uh, if you send us a, something cool, we'll, we'll let them know it was you. Yeah. Uh, is that all we have? Or do we have anything else? That's it, man. Well. Oh, no. Next week, I'm going to talk about Adam Sandler can tell the future. That's what I'm really excited for. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so you're going to want to tune in for that. And I know you're excited for literally any excuse to start talking about Adam Sandler. You've been really wanting to shoehorn that into the show. Get him in on this. Adam Sandler can tell the future. And I'm going to explain how. Well, uh, if that's all we've got, uh, thanks so much for listening. And as always, stay curious. Hey, Jeremy, can you, uh, can you put the Bart Simpson voice on that one? Sweet, thanks.